Hello. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. It is now, uh, where I tend to January, and this is episode six of Talk ADHD. So, first of all, Andrew, welcome to the New Year. Happy New Year as it is. Uh, are you okay? Are we all good? Are we ready? Thanks, Matt. Yeah, Happy New Year to you too. And yeah, let's do this. Okay. So, folks, this is a slightly different one. Um, Andrew and I discuss this a lot. It's very obvious that we just jumped straight into recording this podcast, Andrew, right? And and one thing we didn't do that lots of people do is an introduction to who are, who are you and who are the hosts. Never felt the need, you know, that's what Google and the internet's for. But what Andrew and I felt was really useful was perhaps to give you an insight into us a bit more. And the way that we thought would be good is to do a, re a review of 2023. Because for lots of reasons, lots happened for both of us in the last year. And I think I've learned a lot about myself and, and what I think about the world and, and this thing called neurodiversity and neurodivergence in that period, as, as I know you have. So I hope that what you all get listening to this and, and hopefully watching it is a sense that whilst a lot's happened, it's perhaps helped us look at our worlds differently, look at how we've reacted to things the situations that have been placed in front of us and shaped our decisions from there. Because particularly with ADHD, and I think with autism as well, there's a lot of talk about, are we good at reacting to things? Are we good at change? Are we good at stress? Are we good at unplanned situations? Well, you, Andrew, and I are two humans in the world and we have lives stuff happens and yet we still have to do what we have to do so i think this episode will be really interesting in in bringing people i guess into our world um and letting them know what happens and and why so i think having discussed this with you if we try and break our years down into sort of quarters january to march and so on and give an overview of the things that, that, that occurred and maybe why and what they led to, that might be a good way of keeping track of it. Um, and certainly that's what I'll do when I do the timestamps. Uh, and we'll talk as openly as we are able to about some things. And I do use that phrase specifically as we're able to, and as much as we want to as well. Ultimately, a lot of this is intensely personal things that have happened. So if you do listen to this and think they're editing, yes, we probably are, but that's because that's okay. But we want you to understand the overview. So 10th of January, 2024, uh, Andrew, I'll throw this to you first, January to, to March, 2023. Um, let's start with where were you maybe at the back end? So coming into the beginning of January last year, where were you and where did you think you would be? So we were believing that we'd be able to launch the clinical service that, that's now up and running in January. Um, mm -hmm. But because of administrative delays with registration, that didn't happen in that first quarter of, of January 23, um, of, of 2023. So um, we were feeling, when I say we, I mean Sarah and I, we, we were feeling um, qu quite frustrated, feeling like we were ready to get started in running our own clinical service. Um, we were contracting with other clinical providers. Um, 
and things were going reasonably well. We, we, you know, we just talked about this before off camera about that sort of being the kind of people that that will speak out. Yeah, uh, and. Um, there were definitely things going on in in one of the services um, that that I was contracting with, and I had concerns, and I was raising them, and I felt that they weren't being heard. Um, and in that in that first quarter of of last year, it was very much about trying to get that heard. Um, and this was at the same time. So prior to, in sort of November December of twenty two, we were approached for some advice on what a good ADHD assessment looks like by the BBC. So in that first quarter of 23, we were talking with investigators from the BBC about what a good assessment looks like. Um, and, and that was, you know, they'd actually suggested that we, we would do the assessment that went on to feature on Panorama. And at that time, you know, that, that early stages, that, that's, that was what was going on. Um, and, and things evolved from there um, through that first quarter. So we spent a lot of time talking with um, the, the BBC investigation um, that informed Panorama and about a lot more than was broadcast on the show. Right. And at the time... Let's say January, February time. How aware uh, were you early on of what that was m meant to be, or or what shape it may take, or was it was it very much you weren't fully aware of everything? I mean, it's just a curiosity about how does an investigation work? I suppose it was the investigation was in a, a lot more depth than what made it to broadcast. Um, and I was feeling like that investigation was going somewhere and was going to be meaningful for the ADHD community. Um, I felt like I was contributing something that might make a difference for us, that might lead to a change in the way care was delivered um, on a much bigger front than, than what happened. Um, definitely, it, it was a lot more broad. Um, there were a lot of people involved in that investigation. Um, there, were, there, were, there were a lot of people contributing. Um, you know, it, it wasn't just the the Andrew show by any means. And mm. um, yeah, it, it, it felt like a positive thing. Um, and it, and it came from a place of. Um, feeling that the, the investigators were genuinely interested in what a good ADHD assessment looked like. That, that really felt how it, that's how it felt at, in the early stages of last year. Um, okay. That, that's what they were interested in. They did mention that they were, they were um, looking at um, less good quality assessment practice um, and that they had looked at specific clinics they didn't tell us which ones, um, and and the the thrust of 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 my contribution in the investigation was about what what it is that that sets apart a good assessment from a not so good assessment. Okay, 
at what point, or, or, or rather, let's rephrase it, at any point from being asked to starting to contribute, did you have concerns or, or worries about whether this may impact your uh, professional reputation or whether it would affect you personally and and were the investigators able to did they try to sort of allay any of those concerns or did you go on gut so in the early stages of 23 it wasn't about my experience in working in the field of adhd my other than my contribution of what a good assessment looks like they'd heard that that um, I had a level of respect in the ADHD community and that, that I had something valuable to contribute in what a good one looks like. Um, it was only as things progressed, um, and bearing in mind that I was having issues and raising concerns separately um, to, to organisations that I was working for, that those two issues sort of became joined. They, 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 they merged together. You see, the, the ADHD clinical community is, is quite a, a, a small community. Um, there's, there's not a lot of ADHD specialists. Um, right. So we all know each other um, to a greater or lesser degree. We all talk. So there was a level of awareness around the community that people were asking questions. Was um, there a fear, that, would you say? In the community, I mean, not you, but but you know, when you say there was there was awareness, do you think there was a concern from any quarters at that point that hold on why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I think there was um, to a, to a greater or lesser degree, um, because it's it's not nice to know that there are people looking at, at, at what's going on. Any sort of investigation of that nature. If if you hear about it and it's it's potentially in your workplace, it, it is unsettling. Yeah, sure. Um, so, at the same time that's going on for you, uh, uh, and this is a you know, not normal, right? To suddenly be asked to contribute to an investigation by any any standards, presumably, almost certainly, you're juggling day-to-day -day life of you know husbanding parenting etc um did it add a level of i suppose the only word that comes to mind is stress for you at any point where you felt oh okay i was i i don't know did it change the the family dynamic let's say because obviously you and sarah both work in the industry as well but did you feel like okay this has added something different at that point, we didn't feel like the investigation was, was what was adding the stress. The stress was the concerns we had about practices in companies that, that are providing ADHD care. Um, right. And to the point that it began to be obvious that we had to say something in the investigation. And um, so, so, so we what had, did that mean to you? So what, what, what that meant was we were aware that suspicions were raised, that people were aware. We, we thought that people were likely aware that we were talking with the BBC and had put two and two together. 
Right. Okay. So, and we're becoming concerned that we might blow a whistle. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, we, yeah. we were we were saying things internally. Are these guys going to say blow a whistle externally? Um, and actually say something to the BBC, and we'd agreed when we when we first contact were first contacted by the BBC that we wouldn't, you know, that it was not what we were there for. We were there to advise in a positive manner about what good quality care looked like. But as as we concurrently as we were dealing with the investigation and being giving them a guidance on what a good ADHD assessment looks like and what good ADHD care looks like, we were also saying it wasn't looking like that in um particularly one of the organizations that we were contracting for um and i think that organization felt like we were a threat and we began to feel like that that was the case so we were saying things in meetings and um, uh. we felt that you know we, we're gonna you know we, we're ruffling feathers here we're upsetting people and things are, are likely to go south uh, things are going to go wrong. So, so when, when were those for? Is that still January, February, or was that progressing I, through that's then? Sort of February, March time. Um, so we, it, it got to the point where we were saying things in meetings, and it was just, oh, thank you, Andrew. We're not going to talk about that right now. And it it, it wasn't a comfortable place to right. work anymore. Um, right. So we started making preparations um, to because we thought at any point the plug could be pulled on our access to um the concerns that we had and we hadn't yet reported them because we were trying oh, to okay. deal with them internally you know um, right right but we felt of oh, this could well be something that we're going to need to as registered nurses you have to if you've got concerns mm -hmm. and they're not being heard internally you have to report them externally were you aware without without naming names were you aware of anyone that shared the same concerns as you but didn't feel and I don't know whether this is the right word, but brave enough to put their head above the parapet like you perhaps were. I was the leader of a team of people who were expressing concerns. Oh, okay. Right. So, so, I, so I, was, I was saying things that I was hearing from my team. Um, right. And being a, a mouthpiece and a leader um, for, for my team. Um so I didn't, you know, you know how it is when you've got ADHD. You can't stand back and 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 sometimes hold your own counsel. Um, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Particularly when you're you know, you're working with people who are saying the same things. They're also nurses. Um, you have a duty to 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 speak out and and, and say those things. Um, that's you know, it's part of the nursing code of conduct to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and. As things got more and more guarded, um, there, there came a point where I felt I need to get some evidence of this in case there's trouble. And I made a mistake, I made a professional mistake, because in gathering that evidence, I accidentally um, included two five-digit patient references, which is a big no-no, because yeah, that's, that was... Sure. It, 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 it was only personal information if you had access to the system and it's a bit of a gray area in gdpr but you know it it, it was enough to end my contract um do you and, think that was forgive me 
for those looking for perhaps a way to end the contract, do you think that was a almost a gift? Yes, it was. It absolutely was um, because you know those sorts of mistakes happen often. Mm. You know, it's it's not that people's data is being you know d- deep and meaningful personal information is being mm. passed here and there, but sometimes accidents happen. And it, it, mm. I forwarded an email with those five digit codes in in the subject header of, of two of those emails but yeah um, okay and, mm. and i i i feared that if i didn't get that information get hold of that information my access to it would be withdrawn and gotcha. that's exactly what that's exactly what happened that's exactly was that i presume that was immediate then and... uh, uh yeah yeah, pretty much. It was it was pretty quick after that that, that, that they became aware that that happened, and um, so what then did down. that lead you to to where did that leave you from leading a team, raising concerns, to to that scenario where you make a, a an honest mistake that then leads to you or immediate sort of uh, contract being terminated? Where did that leave you? Did you? Did, uh, uh, the reason I ask is. I I hear you talking that, and I feel like I would feel very um, open, should we say, at that point. Sort of very, I suppose, easy to start being used as a scapegoat rather than a voice of reason. Was there any? Was, was there a point where you started to think, okay, now now the dial shifted? Oh, the dial definitely shifted. Um, the <laughs> The contract was terminated on the day I was filming with Panorama. So I sat down with the producer of the Panorama show for a cup of coffee before we went in to, to record and we just was just checking my emails. And I opened an email that said contract terminated. Um, and at that point, my emotional reaction was, right, the gloves are off then, aren't they? Really? Um, yeah, yeah. So hold on, yeah. and when's that in the time? Is that March you recorded? That's, that, that's March time, yeah. Wow. Wow. So that, while sitting having that coffee, I passed on my concerns to the Care Quality Commission um, and talked to um, Rory that, that presented the Panorama show and said, look, this, this is what's happened. I think this has happened because I'm talking to you. Um, and and this is this is unpleasant because I've just lost the main source of income. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, the same happened to Sarah for the same reasons. Um, so, in a wait moment, a minute, but hold on. But Sarah hadn't sent an email by accident with five-digit no, codes, had it? So that that night before, she had as well. So we, as a couple, we sat down and said, "This is going to go south." We need to get uh, that right. Okay, right. And that was a mistake, you know. And I've, I've yeah, I've no, no, I get that. But you, you, you're a couple, yeah, so I, you're got it. I, right. Okay, yeah, fine. I've, I've spoken with my professional registering body um, and discussed that. And we've, as, as a company, we've we've made some huge changes um, in terms of how we process personal information. And as an individual nurse, I've had to make some changes to how I think about that. Um, <laughs> and you know, f- for all codes for um patients are 
that aren't I hadn't seen them as as a deeply personal issue. Um, mm -hmm. I've now shifted that into that is the same as someone's name. Um, yeah, gotcha. so it's a huge huge learning experience there. Oh, um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's something that we know as, as nurses um, you, that you don't yeah. you, you don't disclose anybody's personal information you use the information for what it's for and that's yeah. it close down and get out of there um, yeah and the, and the night before thing, things went south it was it was very much in the the panic of this is all going to come crashing down this is all going to go wrong and we're not going to be able to to raise the concerns that we had um and we could have sat and furiously scribbled away on paper and that wouldn't have yeah. any any guidance but we didn't we didn't we impulsively thought yeah. we've got to do the right thing and raise these concerns which we went on to do it just remind me just to clarify you said i impulsively but but you know not as an excuse but as a point of really important reference both you and sarah happen to have adhd and one of one of the the elements of that is sometimes under stress we behave and act impulsively right so whilst you say you did that and you could have scribbled you I I hear that and go, well, I can see why. I can see how that would have happened. It's not to uh, justify it. It's not to say it wasn't a breach, but I can understand how and why, because your intent was we need to get this information to the right people. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an oddity, isn't it? Here we are talking about your experience, but you live with this condition that in certain times trip anyone up. Right. And, you know, when I come to talk about my my start of the year, boy, oh, boy, does that come into play? Right. So yeah. I get it. You know, I, I, I definitely I, get it. I, th I think sort of on, a, on a practical learning point, I've I've learned to use the drafts box of my email. More server, much more. I sit yeah. on things. I don't send emails. Yeah. Anywhere near yeah. as quickly. Um, and, and I think this is this has been a theme. Um, yeah for the year is, is is learning about communication in a in a very different way you know because in fact, we've had to we've had to um yeah, yeah of course. but but yeah so so putting those those stop points in and and those stop and consider points is, has been mm. a, a huge learning right for me personally in that in the past year one question and i don't know whether you can answer it or not when you were just about to sit down with rory and you raised that concern and said we think this is because what was his response or what was the production team's response my hesitation is to, to try and remember so i can give an honest answer um I'm not sure about the immediate response. Can't re recall it. Sort of as an off-the-cuff question, yeah. but there was a sense of genuine concern and a, a sense that that they would support us, that they would they would help us to to. You mean sort of in the aftermath? Do you mean? Oh, okay. In right. the aftermath, and that there was an awareness that that our involvement with them may well have had an impact on on what was happening okay right fair enough um 
That's a hell of a start to a year, really, professionally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How about you? I mean, we can carry on with mine, but what about yours? We've talked a lot about mine. <laughs> Different. I'll come back to yours in a minute, right? There's a question I have of yours, but mine. <laughs> right, so where am I? My start to the year has always been tricky. Um, so my birthday is the 1st of January. And, you know, it's a, it's a pretty bloody awful day of the year to have a birthday on, typically. Because ever since I've been about 16, nobody can be bothered to do anything because they've been out the night before, too hungover, too tired, too skint, too everything else. So I, I've kind of, from a very young age, written off my birthday as, well, that was just a bit crap. Um, and then that's been a theme, you know, and it's, I've made it very difficult for my wife, Catherine, ever since we've been married and with the kids to try and do anything for my birthday is pretty hellish. Um, I'd come into the start of 2023. Probably now I look back the most unwell in terms of my mental health, I I really had ever been sort of on a on a day to day consistent level. I just wasn't facing up to it. Um, I I was without question depressed at least once a month, struggling with suicidal ideation due to depression. I'd been told, God. Uh, probably well over 18 months before that that um, there was no point me taking stimulant meds for ADHD because you know my body didn't absorb them the way others did and so that's why they weren't working so just you know why bother I'd taken standard antidepressants and they just made me worse Um, and so I came into that new year 23 if I'm brutally honest, not full of a great deal of hope for a good year. I, I was just, here we go again. That was, I, you know, that was something I would wake up every day, put my feet on the floor of the bed and say, here we go again. And it wasn't with a sense of joyous anticipation. It was, oh. um, But the one thing that I'd been considering towards the back end of last year no, back end of 22, rather, based on some... Now, you're going to laugh, and you know I know we've discussed this, so, so I know you'll smile, but based on the quote-unquote research I had been doing into medication, right, I had, in my little world, I thought had a bit of an epiphany, which was, I don't think I have a problem getting enough dopamine if I want it, because I do a lot of dopamine sort of centric dopamine producing things lots of sport or at the time i did so i i said it's not a dopamine thing so i had been doing some research and going well if it's not dopamine what else i convinced myself well it can't be serotonin because every time i took an ssri i felt like my behavior and this will become a theme moment my behavior got worse so my head went well serotonin too much serotonin right we spoke about serotonin sort of syndrome maybe that's not the thing 
what I then began to hyper-focus on, I suppose, was noradrenaline. And I had people that I was sort of connected with in the States who I knew were taking Stratera and, and who, who were saying, oh, this was life-changing. And I started to go, hold on, well, what's the difference? What, what's that versus what I was taking? So I made a very, what I thought was educated decision that, ah, well, what I think I need is a neurodrenic medication, primarily. If I have better control, quote-unquote, over that part of my system, over those parts of you know neurotransmitters, then perhaps my my behaviour improves. And I'd done some research and knew that certain medications that focused on neurotransmitters also had impacts on things like uh, addictive behaviours and, and weight control. So I was kind of mm, okay. I think there's something in this. So come January, but in fact, probably this time last year, I went to my GP, marched for the appointment I could get. And I have a fantastic GP when I can see him. He's, he runs our practice. He's known me for a very long time. He's known me through pretty much all of my careers for the past 18 years. And he's got a good understanding of my sort of history. And I marched and said, right, Doc, look, here it is. I'm suicidal. I'm struggling. I don't think this is depression. There's this, this, this in the background. You know I've got a diagnosis of severe ADHD. You know, because you can see that I have been on stimulant medicine, but I'm now told there's no point taking them. I cannot take an SSRI because it scares me. I think I need an SNRI. Sits there looking really smug with himself, right? And the doctor said, actually, you're a smart man. I understand what you say. Your reasoning seems sound, but you have some choices. And he gave me three drugs. Now, the truth was, I'd gone, well, it seems to me that the GP prescribable closest variant to Stratera is what I was taking up until recently, which was this drug called Venoflaxine, right? Fine. And I went in intent on him prescribing me that. That was it. I wasn't going to go out with anything else. However, he's a very good doctor, very responsible. He said, you have choices to make. You've done enough research to know why you think you need it. Now you have to go and choose the medication that you think is right based on potential side effects. So he said, it's either A, B or C. Go away, research for two weeks, make a new appointment. Tell me what you think. I took the piece of paper. I did absolutely bugger all research for two weeks. I just made a new appointment, went back, went, no, still that. Fine. Now. The reason I get a bit animated about that is because of what happened shortly after and where I am now. I started essentially titration, incredibly low dose, obviously. And just as we we got into the end of January, early February, I'd been on the meds for about a fortnight and I was walking our dog with my wife and she said something that just really literally stopped me in my tracks. She said, Matt, this is like having the old you back. You haven't been this nice to be around in 25 years. That's going to have an impact when your wife says yeah, that. Yeah, well, it was you, a real yeah. like a, ooh. Um. And I know I'd not been the best and there had been, you know, issues that I'll talk about, but I was like, oh, why? She said, you're just easy to talk to and you're funny and you're smiley and you're, 
fine. What that then triggered, in fact, that must have been the beginning of February, what that then triggered in me was some sort of mental shift. I was on the meds for about another week, and I knew at that point that there were issues from an addictive point of view with my behavior that I'd probably always had, but I'd never, ever thought of admitting anything. But I knew that there were certain things that I was doing that I really didn't want to do anymore. They were affecting my health and my work and, and, and her and my kids. And there's a phrase that often is used in, uh, in recovery, 12-step recovery a lot. People talk about, oh, well, when, when this moment of disclosure happened, um, people say, oh, I left some breadcrumbs for my partner to find out. I didn't leave breadcrumbs. I left her an international chain of bakeries. There was literally no way she wasn't going to know, right? 7th of February, I'm taking my mother for a hospital appointment in Warwick. And I get a phone call. And Catherine's found the bakeries. And the world collapses, as I thought it would. Um, But I wasn't thrown out on my ear. I wasn't anything. Wait the day pick her up from work and then we have this big discussion she's broken and I remember sitting on my windowsill upstairs in my bedroom and it's the first time I said to myself if I was an alcoholic I'd go to AA if I was a drug addict I'd go to NA now I am not going to name you know what program I'm in but I just went there has to be something for me and I found it that night I attended my first online meeting and the whole world changed. Finally felt like I was with people who got me. Finally felt like there were people there going, yes, me too, and not judging me. And kind of went, I think I know what I need to do. For the first time, I know what I need to do. So that was 7th of February. And I made a conscious decision that I couldn't afford financially, but felt I didn't have a choice to do, which was I am at such risk of losing everything, everything that I can't really focus fully on work until I feel like I'm mentally well again, better again. So I all but paused. I did what work I had, but nothing else. Now, I'm fortunate at the time that my wife was working. She had a salary coming in, but that was it. Between that and what benefit, child benefits we got, there was nothing else. And I just hyper-focused on recovery. I'm now in a 12-step program. <laughs> I can vividly remember... The it's a different experience. Online meetings, which I attend more now than in person, but I remember my first in-person meeting, and the only reference I had for that kind of thing was the start of the um, Elton John biopic, Rocket Man, where at the start of the film he walks into recovery in full regalia. Right, how does this work then? That's kind of how I felt. I was marched in, full of some sort of fake bravado. Right then, make me better, and you sit there going, "That's not how this works, is it?" Shit. <laughs> that's a come down um, but I I obsessed got myself what's referred to as a sponsor by the end of the week 
who's a wonderful guy. Um, and I had this conversation with him and I had with some other people that my biggest concern about this was if I didn't feel like I'd got a handle on my recovery fast, and I meant really fast, I was terrified that either I'd regress into bad behaviours again, I'd lose my wife, I'd lose my home, or something even more catastrophic than, than hitting rock bottom would happen. But what I'd heard in the first week of meetings was people saying, well, they'd been in recovery for a year or four years or 10 years and still hadn't completed this 12-step program. And I just went, I can't afford that. Part of my, my commitment to, to my wife was, I will, I will work this recovery for me and I will show you that I can do it and I will stick to it and I will work these 12 steps. I will. But there was no way I felt able to commit to that if it was going to take any longer than 12 months. In fact, 12 months was way too long. Fortunately, I met a sponsor who some would say is a bit old school in this, who said, look, I did my steps in nine weeks. If you want to do it fast, as long as you work them properly, I'll do them at the pace you want. I think it was eight weeks later, seven weeks, maybe eight weeks later, I signed off my step 12 and started sponsoring the first person that I then was mentoring, sponsoring in the program and now have three or four people that I, I talk to regularly. So, January was a bit of a blur because everything was about the meds. Everything was about why do I feel so different? This is weird. February was <laughs> a shit show. I can only, pardon my French, but I can only call it that. It was appalling. It was terrible. It was painful. It was everything. By the time I got to the end of March, I was waking up every day not saying here we go again saying this is good this this is okay and what i'd also entered into on the 8th of february second day was a sort of a, a way to keep yourself focused in recovery something referred to as 90 in 90 so you say i will attend 90 meetings in 90 days without any breaking continuity just to prove that i'm sort of i'm committed so i was well into you know, 90 and 90 at that point. And um, whilst I still wasn't making a great deal of money, what I kind of figured was I'm making some progress. Um, the one thing that hadn't changed, though, <laughs> was you, you talk about wanting to, you know, highlight things that you thought were unjust and wrong. I maybe didn't approach it quite as sanely as you did online. If I saw something I thought was wrong, particularly on LinkedIn, I just said it as I saw it. And I would tell people why they were wrong. And I, I ruffled lots of feathers and I upset lots of people. And I'm aware that I did. And I, I sort of didn't join the dots that the more I did that, the less people approached me for work. Because um, yeah. that wasn't my focus. But I think I was... Now I look back, I was probably venting my frustrations at where I found myself by pointing the finger at other people. And as you're, you're saying, saying that, that wrong. As you're saying that, that just so resonates with how I was feeling back in March. I was so hmm. frustrated as someone with ADHD to, to 
to know the things that I knew. Mm. Um, and I felt like I was doing the right thing by, <laughs> by you know, the, the venting was, was a, by a different form of media, but it, it was venting. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and... You know, that, that, that sounds like it led both of us by the end of March to this very difficult place where where things were were at the point of change. You know, y yes, there was that for you. There was you, know, you can say the exact date that that, that change yeah, happened. Yeah. That was a tipping point. But by the yeah, end yeah, of March, we're both in this position of things have happened and things are changing for definite. Yeah, without question, without any question, and I think. It's, it, what's weird is by the end of that, you know, say by the end of March, more of my life was better than it had ever been. I mean, the, the quote-unquote better I got, because I see addiction as an illness, a gen, you know, a genuine illness, the better I got, the more recovered I got, the angrier I got at stuff. The angrier I got at people not saying the right thing at the right time. And, and, and I'll come back to you, but what's interesting is it must have been beginning of April, I think. I need to look at the date it aired. Sometime around March, one of those, the, the best examples of me venting was um, Alex Partridge, who's now got his podcast, ADHD Chatter, had not long received his own diagnosis of ADHD. And I remember the first post he put on LinkedIn about his ADHD and he went down the superhero thing right oh well I've just been dying. that explains why this why lad bible why uni lad it's my superpower lots of people doing the congratulatory oh I'm really pleased for you well done and I just you know launched you know it was a it was a just a tirade on, on his post you're wrong this is why you're wrong how dare you that's insulting to his credit, and I will always say this, to his credit, he almost instantly private messaged me and went, whoa, what the hell? I'm sorry I upset you, but I don't quite get why. Can we talk? And that literally tripped me up mentally because I was used to people coming back with fight and he didn't. He came back with, I need to know why. I'm really sorry. And he took the original post down. And 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 that was probably the first moment where I kind of went, oh, well, I'm not used to that. And I, I sort of stepped back a bit and went, okay, and scheduled a call with him to, to give him my opinion, right, and my take and, and sort of, I'm not saying that's the reason for the podcast, but certainly after the conversation, he said, I'd love to be able to help people. And I've toyed with a podcast and, 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 you know, I ended up recording episode one with him, I think for that reason, because I'd been the first person that had challenged his beliefs or what he thought was his knowledge about what it meant to have ADHD. Um, so he brought me on to, you know, essentially do that a bit more. So it, it, that was an interesting thing for me. But you're right, by the end of March, I was in a place of, hmm, it's not all rosy. Some is better, but I'm aware that I am now more exposed, if you like, than ever. 
because of the things I've done previously in terms of the way I've responded and the fact that I still can't quite rein it in. Um, what, so you jump into April then. Let's let's go April sort of May-ish because the, uh, the Panorama aired May, right? Yeah. So you must, I mean, you must have known. You, you know it's coming. I'm guessing you know the scheduled air date. You know everything else. In your background between sort of be, beginning of April through to when it airs, how are you and Sarah feeling about the world and about potentially what came after? So it's, it's not as clean as that, Matt. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I, I wish it was as clean as that. So in, in, that, in, in this sort of next phase, this next quarter that we're going into, we thought that the broadcast was going to be happening sooner. So the, the broadcast kept slipping. Um, so we lived with, oh, we've lost our contract and the, the broadcast date keeps slipping and we don't know when it's going to, to go on air. Um, and we also heard, yes, you've, you've been approved to run an, a, a healthcare company and, and diagnose and treat people for ADHD independently of all these people that you've been contracting for before. You can start. So Ooh. April... April was when we were gearing up to taking our first patient. Um, and oh. at that same time, we were dealing with, and at some point, this is, thing that happened in March is, is going to come out. And it, it seems like it just keeps moving down the road. And is it going to come out? Is, is it not? Is, is, is there something else going on? We didn't know. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, so is, so it was it wasn't as clean as yeah. We're recording this in March, and it will be broadcast in May. Yeah, TV like never is, I guess. No. Um, so were you able to? I don't know if celebrate's the right word. We we were, were you able to feel anything about about divergence launching? Were, you know, or, or do you think it marred it because in the background was the the launching of the service was. <laughs> It wasn't the the, sort of the the watershed moment that you might think it is because we'd been working for years building up to actually opening the door and saying, "Come in, we can, we can help you." Um, right. It was if, if it was a relief because we'd financially planned to launch in the January, so we had three four months worth of expenses that we hadn't budgeted for. Um, and lost a significant contract that was supporting us to to get that going. So they, it could have even been that we didn't launch um, had we not been as persistent. Um, wow. I'm guessing that doesn't come without some background stress. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was there ever a moment you regretted saying yes to the BBC? Up to the point of broadcast, yeah, yeah. Since broadcast, yeah. Um, now, no. Now, okay. now that the the water's enough under the bridge, um, no, no, I don't think so. But it, it, there, there were times when I just thought, why can't you stop putting your foot in your mouth? Why can't you? put your head down i remember as a teenager my dad said well why do you why do you have to 
to push yourself? Why do you have to make a fuss? Why 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 can't you just go and work in a bank and you know, mm. keep your head down? And I never ever have. I've always been um, the militant. One of my sort of girlfriends in my twenties family would, would, would refer to me as the militant. Um, yeah, but I can't stand by and 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 see people suffer when it doesn't need to be like that. Um, and and I, I I still feel like that now. I don't think that's going to change. How I communicate that might change. How I understand that has definitely changed in twenty twenty three. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so. <laughs> All right, you 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 you're doing this this thing that should be a fanfare. You, you you've been told you can have your own clinic, launch your own clinic, take patients. Are you still, given what you said about finances, having to work for people as well to subsidise the start of that, or were you up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we still aren't a viable business now. Right. Um, that's that, that's the nature of starting a business. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, we we'd made all these plans that we would launch in January, that we would have these substantial contracts to sort of financially support things, and all of that was gone. And it wasn't. Wow. You know, we'd employed um, someone in the November leading up to launching in January, because that's when we were told we were going to get the green light. So we had to pay someone their their salary for for three months um uh, and it was it was difficult it was really really difficult um to 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 keep the business i'm not a businessman i'm a nurse um to keep that on on the on the uh on the tracks whilst also dealing with everything else that was going on at that time and again i keep coming back to this the everything else is kind of really important Right. There's there's, you know, the roles of parenting, the roles of, of, of being a partner, the role of being a, you know, a child to your own parents and everything else. And. I think it's easy for people to look from the outside. At things this is the, the the problem, I guess, with social media, right? but it's easy for people to look at the snapshots they see. And not think that there's anything else. There's no other life. They just see that thing. Um, but you're dealing with everything, you know. I was dealing with more than just as well. But people tend to forget that. Because, I mean, I'm not blowing smoke anywhere uh, now, but it's no understatement to say you are shall we say, very well respected within this community of ADHD clinically, right? So there are things that you shared on your year that I didn't know you had been involved in. Organisations I didn't know that you, you know, that you were talking to that, I don't know, in my mind, had people known that when the documentary aired, they may have gone, oh, he's not just a bloke saying there's a reason you've got this information. There's a reason you've got this passion. There's a reason you want to say this, you know. So I'm looking at things like the the World Congress that you've mentioned to me before, because I think you say, mate, there's World Congress, there's an advisory group set up, you know. Um, 
you've you've got teaching at universities that you've been you've been doing hmm. none of that forgive me if I'm wrong, but I can't see how any of that would have been in your remit or in your world if you were not the right calibre, should we say, of person to be doing it. And yet, I'm going to guess that unless you're in that clinical world or lucky enough to know you, not many people would know that about you and Sarah. Not many people would know how involved and invested you are in the... The word the well-being of everyone with ADHD. You know, no, you wouldn't no. do so much if you didn't care. Until we did this podcast, we we um, kept below the radar. Tried to do a good job, um, you know, and 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 want to. It's it's not about being sort of having loads of posts on on LinkedIn or Facebook about. Mm. About hey, I'm a high-profile ADHDer, and I, I you know, I, I'm mm. this wonderful clinician. Um, I, I let my patients be the judge of what kind of clinician I am. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that the whole ADHD clinical community would agree with what you've just said about me. Um, but at times in their lives, they have. Um, they've come and asked me to work for them. Um, okay, but the fact that you say that now is that based on their opinions of what's happened since? Because because it affected people, right? There were people yeah. that came out of that documentary not looking great. Yeah, yeah, there were. Um, now that ain't your fault, but I understand how they've got. They need to blame someone. We all, yeah, that's that. That's the blame game, right? So so yeah, the 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 quote that was used on Panorama from me was it was. I think I said this on a previous episode mm. of the podcast. It was a sort of a, a, an end of conversation, half quote. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't what I was there to talk about. It wasn't what I was there to record. Um, but it was, it was done on camera and it was snipped out. And it, it you know, of all the things I said, that was not what I wanted to have said. Um, to be broadcast, you know, it's, it's, um, but n neither did I sit for hours um, running down the, the people who had ended my contract that morning. Yeah. You know, I, di I, I, I didn't do that. That's not what, what was recorded in the hours I was sat being interviewed, mm. literally hours. Um, so, so, yeah. How soon? Go on. I was going to say it's not about sort of trumpeting that. It's the the World Congress. So there's a there are a range of conferences in the ADHD world, and uh, as, as as a clinician, I'd been to the the World Congress. I think the first one was 2014, and I I like it because it's it's one of the better ones um, in terms of the the content, the the the, the quality of presenters. Um, that the, uh, uh, are talking um right so we you know as, 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 a, as a company director i said we really should be at that um and the company we, we used the company to pay for several of us to attend that and um in the application for the tickets it said if, if you become an affiliate member we'll give you a discount on your tickets um 
so we became an affiliate member and at that point when we became an affiliate member um we were approached by by the uh, the world federation to sit on this advisory group so you know it, it came because we wanted cheaper tickets to the conference but but that's not why we, we we're not sitting on the advisory group because we sit because we wanted cheaper tickets it's because we because we affiliated they were then able to approach us and say yeah and, and, and they asked us questions about who we are and, and why we are and they liked you know that that board and it, you know the, the president of the world federation is um stephen ferone professor stephen ferone oh yeah okay yeah 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 yeah, 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 so, yeah, honest, yeah. um that level of people sat around and looked at a, a written submission that I'd made about who we are and why we're doing what we're doing. And they liked it so much. They wanted us to sit on their advisory group. Um, but I don't want to trumpet that around. And as it, people may say, well, why are you talking about it on a podcast? And it's because I'm talking to you about it. Um, yeah, but this isn't trumpeting. So... But they, yeah, my, my... I, I don't. Yeah. There's a word I'm, I, I love a lot when I mentor people, right? And I, I will use it here. For me, this is no more than evidence. It's evidence of your, if you like, your ethics, your your principles, your approach. You know, yeah, it's not, I, I it's not it flag waving. Yeah. No, I, I, I felt very validated when, when they came back to, to me and said that they'd, you know, the, the World Federation have had a meeting and we'd really like you to to join us in this this new approach that we're going to take because we think you've got All a valuable right. contribution that, that that was a really nice part of of may last year for ah, us. right so let's let's now i'm sorry light and shade and all that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's the nice part let's say that's that's a good thing um but unfortunately i'm going to say that documentary ed yeah how immediate or how surprised were you by what came after by and 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 did you receive any sort of personal backlash yes Yes. so you received personal backlash for taking part i don't mean from the the people perhaps who felt um you know that you were talking about them, or I'm not. I'm not talking about previously, but I'm talking about it outside of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I didn't get any backlash um, directly from the people that I spoke about in that sort of throwaway half comment. Um, that's not where it came from. It came from people that I trusted, people that I respected, people that the ADHD community trust and respect. Um, and what was their problem? If you could summarise it, what do you think their problem... Oh, no, actually, let me do that again. I'm going to make this an easy one. What did it feel like their their issue was? And do you feel like they were basing that without having all the information? Definitely, definitely. It was... That was the hardest part of last year. And there's been lots of hard things happening in the last year. But to to have some really high profile people say things like you will never be trusted again for saying what you said um was was hurtful um because they didn't know what i'd said they saw 
a 10 second clip of me saying something about a company that I worked for years ago. Um, and they didn't see that. They the genuinely BBC... made a statement like that based on that snippet. Yeah. That I'd been uh, a contributor to an awful program that had harmed the ADHD community. Now, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah, I think there was harm done. Um, but, hmm. but okay, they they didn't have all the facts. They didn't they didn't understand what was going on. There was still stuff going on post broadcast that you know still isn't out there. It will never be. Yeah, out there. yeah. Okay, so here's a question then. That's horrible for you to have to receive comments like that from people you've trusted and worked with based on ten seconds. That's Horrible, horrible, horrible. Do you think it has since um, sort of made more concrete your your thoughts about how you do what you do going forwards and why? Definitely. You know, that, earlier we talked about me using the, the drafts box in my emails. And and holding back mm. on things, I've certainly through that experience and reflecting back on my experience through my life learned that I need to hold my tongue. That it's not always right to launch in, um, and it's it's okay for me to know things aren't right and not say they're not right. Um, which as a registered nurse is 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 strange. Because mm. through your training, if if you see something wrong, you say it's wrong. Um, but how you say that is 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 a really important part of that that duty that a nurse has. Mm. How, how you raise those concerns, um, and and there are there there are there's more in the story from twenty three about this on this theme. But but how you how you um, manage your own response. To, to seeing things that are wrong is, is is really important because people may take part of that response and and hurt you with it and that that's how it felt back in June last year the, yeah I that was, was the being, I, I was being battered around the head with my passion for things being put right no May June, you're still through all of that setting up divergence, and I use the phrase setting up. You know, it's still early, very early days, right? Um, is in that period, is it all going swimmingly? Is it easy? Is it? Were you able? I suppose what I'm asking is, were you able to think, okay, well, at least we've got this. We've got to work towards this. As a kind of a counter, for perhaps two weeks. Um, for um, about, sorry, for about, two weeks of what? Two weeks of about, three months. For for about two weeks of June. No, 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 no. Oh, two weeks of, of June. Right. End, end of May, early June. That that was there was a little period where we'd been to the World Congress and things were feeling okay. Yeah, it was it was tricky. There were teething problems for business. Yeah. But it felt like okay, 
we can now just roll our sleeves up and get on with this. Right. No, without without wishing to sort of say anything you don't want to say. Then. <laughs> um. Yeah, this is difficult to talk about. Um, yeah, because, and I don't want you, I don't want you to talk about anything you don't need to talk about. Does that make sense? But it's, but, but yeah, it, it's something that I I would like to say some stuff about because it, it's had an impact on the rest of the year. That following six months, um, it's in fact dominated that. Um, <laughs> I'm struggling to find the the. the Given everything I've just said about speaking out against injustice, I'm struggling to find the words to say what's happened, um, particularly given that it's still ongoing. Um, but... Well, I'll tell you what, I think anyone with any ounce of sense may be able to understand that there's reasons that if something is still ongoing, it can't be spoken about. So let me try and rephrase this a different way. Okay. You have two weeks where it looks like it's all going okay, and then a situation seemingly arises. And in the midst of the aftermath of the documentary, you now have another not insignificant situation to be dealing with that potentially, I'm going to assume, is challenging your so a belief structure on right and wrong and on yeah. on sense of justice and sense of fairness and and was there a point at any point did you think why me no what have i done no no i didn't um because i know what i've done i i can own that um you know, it's, it's not. I th it's, you can you can spend your time sort of putting it on everybody else and blaming everybody else for for things that happen in your life, um, right? But you know, you don't set up a healthcare company and blindly think it's all going to be all right, um, uh, and it hasn't been. It really, really hasn't been. Um, it's it's uh, there's, there's a bit of sweetness to it, um, and I, 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 given it's ongoing, I, I, I don't think it's sensible for me to say more about it on a on a podcast. Um, no, no, but, no. But no. It, but it has been it has been. Um, what's the word that I should just really, really painful, Matt. Right. I get that. Okay. I shall. I shall take a ninety degree turn, ish. Um. Actually, I won't. There's one thing I will say at this point because this is the period where you and I sort of collide. I guess. Not it long is, after, the, maybe the day after the documentary aired. Um, 
I saw someone, I don't remember who, making comments about the podcast online. I, as I want to do, chimed in with my opinion. And you replied. And you, I think you corrected something that, that I said that was incorrect, but I didn't know. But you did it in such a way that I went, oh, okay. And oddly, normally when I'm corrected, I feel like going, well, you very much. Who are you? But I went, hold on a minute. I know that face. And then I read through the chat. I was like, oh, you were on. You were it. You, you, you. And I think I messaged you to go, right, hold on a minute. A, why? And that's where we started talking. Now, the bit I got from that very quickly was, A, there was no reason for you to reply. You know, in the first instance, you could have just ignored that comment. So I got a sense of you were very keen to have the right information out there. And you were already saying things at that time about people don't, you haven't got the full facts, that what you saw isn't the full story, et cetera, et cetera, which I think a lot of people couldn't understand. A lot of us were like, the hell does that mean? Even though I've been around TV long enough to know editing is a smart thing and can make anyone sound like they said anything and look like they did anything when it almost never happened, right? But nonetheless. So I remember talking to you online and thinking, Okay, there's a there's a transparency and an honesty, and and it felt like a desire to speak your truth, and that's the first time I kind of went, hmm. I'll tell you this: the fact that you put your head above again, I use that above the parapet and went on the documentary in the first place. I I kind of I admire that. Anyone could have been given the opportunity and gone, oh, you're right, thanks. I'll run a mile from that. And maybe we even thought that, but you didn't. For whatever reasons, you said no at this point. So I think when I started talking to you, it was because I thought, you know what, I can have an honest conversation with you and I don't think you're going to feed me any BS. I think you're going to tell me what's right or not right or you're going to have a conversation. And without question, from that period on, realistically, up until whenever we did the first sort of test for this in November time about the medication shortage, that opinion stayed the same of, if I want someone to talk honestly and frankly about ADHD or to ask a question, I'm going to ask you first. Right? And now I've got to know Sarah. I get that she's of the same vein. But I think what I wanted to to just put in there was, this is the danger when people just see the 10-second snippet, when people just see the post on LinkedIn, right? It's not the full story. It's never the full story. But it's having the ability, maybe it's the maturity, whatever it is, to go, wait, shall we talk about this? Are we willing to talk about this? Whether it's in private or not, are we willing to discuss this and see where we both sit and how far off each side of the fence we are? Or, right? And for me, weirdly, that coincided with me starting to feel, the only word I can use is human again. That was my first sort of foray after recording with Alex. That was my first foray into putting myself out there again, doing stuff again, and sort of saying, I have to live, I have, I have to work, I have to 
remain passionate, but actually feeling like I could. And and I was really grateful of, of connecting with you because I felt like, okay, there is someone who, strange term that I'll try and qualify, is treating me like an adult. Not like an adversary. Not like a threat, which is most of the reactions that I had got to that point. You were treating me like an equal. But you were honest enough to say, okay, but. Or to ask me questions. And I think that was very much the difference for me. That's why I why I resonated. Because all the time you're going through that, April, May, you know, June. That was my period of sort of starting to reemerge. My period of starting to go, okay, what does life look like as someone that, you know, has to say, I struggle with. I'm in, you know, I'm in recovery from addiction as well as ADHD, as well as autism. And I was, I was selfishly grateful, right? I can say this now, that I thought, well, if I ever have questions, I know who I'll ask first. I had someone to, tr you know, now you may not have got that, but I felt I had someone to trust in this world who wouldn't, wouldn't bullshit me, is the honest answer. Right? If I made a statement about medication or, or anything else, I felt that you'd give me the, you know, an honest answer. And, and that remained. So in that period for me was really important because I was watching the reaction. I was, I was starting to sort of give forth my opinions. I recorded another blooming episode of the, Alex's podcast talking about the documentary, which I'm now more embarrassed about than anything, but I didn't I have all the facts. I don't think you need facts. to be. I don't think you need to be. I know we haven't talked um, about it, but I have watched it. Oh, have you? Yeah. <laughs> we haven't spoken about it, but yeah, I don't know. I've not watched it since, but I came up, I, I, I was conscious of, I didn't want it to be another I'm bashing. Like I say, I, I've been around the TV block in some ways. I knew that it was edited. I knew, and I'd spoken to you by that point and gone, hmm, okay, this isn't what we saw isn't what was, what the story was, should we say. But I felt like the response outside of it was like a lot of things was causing more problems than the actual show itself. Absolutely. And that's what came across. And it, they were, they were, when I was watching it, um, that, that um, podcast that you did with Alex, I, I, I kept gearing up to thinking, oh, he's going to say something now. And every time without fail, you don't, you say, but I don't know. And yeah. there weren't many people saying that. Everybody had an opinion about that panorama and about me and, uh, and about yeah. what harm had been done. And that podcast that you did with Alex didn't do that. It said there was lots of acknowledgement of we don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I liked that. Um, you know, I, no, I'm glad to I hear that because I've never asked you. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen when I watched it, but actually, I thought, ah, oh, uh, you've, you've been fair. You know, I, well, I can hold my hands up when I get things wrong, um, but I, and and there, there are things that I, you know, had I been the in the editorial team of of that broadcast, I'm sure I would have done it differently. 
sure I would have done lots of the things that people were asking for at that time, what should have been, what that, what opportunities were missed by what was broadcast. Yeah. But that podcast that you did with Alex was one of the few bits of media that was fair. Well, you know what, I'm right. sure he'll appreciate that, and I do as well, because it was a... I remember the conversation with him at that time was, fr from his point of view, as he was building his brand, he said, I think I need to do something to address this. Will you do it with me? Now, I'm like, oh, okay, thank you for trusting me to be the voice. You could have chosen anyone, right? Um, but he asked me. But I did have that sense of responsibility of, I'm not going to just bash it. I, I, I thought it was problematic for the reasons i felt right for saying it that that it, it it made it look like there was a situation that i don't think is still i don't completely agree with it made it there was elements where it felt hyperbolic and elements where i was like oh this is too close to the truth and i could also spot the tv editing a mile away and kind of go uh, you know all right you know you, so there was no point in me bashing it or you or anyone else on it because what does that serve? But, you know, for me, it was a, a way to say what's worse is everyone jumping on the bandwagon, making claims that are completely unsubstantiated. What good does that do anyone? Right. And I still believe that. Um, okay. Let's let's skip forward then. Let's go sort of end of summer, summer, August, September, October. Um, where I was then was beginning to see changes I never expected to see for me and through discussions that I'd been having with you beginning to feel a bit more confident in my voice again like I had a voice in, in this space I'd started working with clients or, or, no, I hadn't started working with them yet. I'd had conversations with clients that I felt I had no right having conversations with, but they were approaching me. So the likes of sort of Nita Patel from, from Sony Pictures and Zanana Curley from, from ASOS, global brands who'd seen me speak for 18 minutes and go, we need you to talk to us about this. And I'm going, really? Really, though? Me? Mm, don't? Okay. But but being flattered and then other bits of work in, in and around that, I was beginning to feel like, okay, I'm settling into this new first time in my life feeling like a grown-up sort of phase at 49. But I was also aware of how much I didn't know for the first time. I often say I've been knocking around this since my kids were diagnosed, so 2008 was their first, first one diagnosed with autism in 2010 after. I've been looking at this, reading about it, researching it, trying to understand it since then. I've learned more this year, last year now, than I think ever before. But I think it's because what I've seen for the first time ever, and I don't, I don't know whether you see this as well, but I guess you do. I've seen so many people like talking about that documentary who bandwagon a lot they say the same things over and over and over again and even if they're not really based in any 
evidence as such, it's that old adage, say it enough and it becomes true. And I think it's the first time I began to see things, hear things, and things that maybe once upon a time I'd have said, no, I need to go and look into this. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's how this, you know, whatever it is, situation works. And and I became a bit more confident in saying that. And And instead of so often shooting people down, like I had Alex in, you know, March of the year, if I saw things I disagreed with, I would disagree, but with reasons. Because this, because evidence this. And it's interesting that towards the end of that period would have been probably September-ish is where I first started to dabble with AI and realise it was quite useful for me. It's the first I had my my business mate or my speaking mentor who I still use said, Matt, you've got to use this, you know, touch it's great. And I started to play with it. And I realized that actually it it could scrape the web far quicker than I could for information. But it was a good tool for me to verify with. And then if I needed to fact check it with anyone, I, you know, I could talk to someone, but but I got very confident in my ability to say, actually, here's my theory. Here's what I've seen. And and that sort of continued through to November. But where was the summer for you? Because I'm presuming that that kind of whole situation didn't just go away. I mean, here no, we are. No. We're still, and I know you're involved, but we're still talking about Panorama now. I still hear people talk about it now. So where was it with you? So Panorama had settled down, but we were dealing with the things that were happening in in this new developing clinical company um, and me learning how to how to manage and a, and a, a huge steep learning curve. You can you can do all the theory, but when you're actually steering the ship, it's very very different. Um, but there were things going on in our personal life. We were we were dealing with all sorts in our personal lives. We were also dealing professionally with trying to keep the company afloat. And I'd, I'd set the end of August as a potential we are going to close. Um, because I built the, the business model around four of us working together. And now there were only three of us and, um, another one of the, of the three that were left was taken out of the equation pretty much dealing with the issues that the one that left left behind um oh, okay right, and right, we, had, we had other stuff we had other stuff going on in the family um as well so that, so there was lots yeah. going on and i i was managing and and, and a you know, a registered manager of a, a care quality commission com- regulated company having to make decisions about whether or not it was sensible to continue to offer care to people. Um, and I actually set a, a, a target for, for the company for the end of August. Um, and, and we didn't make we didn't meet it, but we're still running. Why? Um, why? Mm. I mean, I'm hearing that. I'm thinking, okay, 
financially, if nothing else, it, it I suppose it could have been easy. Not it's never an easier decision to close a business, but it could have been an easier sort of like, draw a line and say, right, forget this. We've tried, but yeah. what you, you, what you made you not? The, head. the the business decision, the right business decision, was to shut, to stop, to say, okay, right. this is this is. Um... <sighs> This is problematic. This, there were too many bad things happened, and it, you know we we can we can dial things down and and support people to to other providers and all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But given the context of of that decision and everything that we've already talked about, and the the person that I am, the person that Sarah is, we've made a commitment to do this, and and divergence is more than for me anyway personally. Is it? It's more than a clinical service it's it's about drawing together 25 years of nursing experience and what is it 15 years or so of of working in in adhd um and and having something to say about how things should be how care should be how how adhd could be perceived in society because we haven't got it right as a society. Um, no. Not in terms of how we deliver the care, how we understand one another, how difference in, in cognitive function can be defined. It, it, you know, it, the, the whole thing needs to be upturned. And, and I, I, you know, the, the reason we called ourselves divergence isn't about neurodivergence. That's not why we picked the name. We picked the name because we have diverged from the way everybody else is doing it. Got it. So, so yeah, that, I think people assume it is about neurodivergence, and yeah, it, yeah. it isn't. And the the V is 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 a parting of ways from from yeah. the, the standard way, and that, that's what our graphics is about. Uh, so here's a question. So, we couldn't just abandon it on a business decision. We had to keep going, and we had to keep going for the people who we'd committed to treat and, and work with mm. already by the end of August. So we did, and we still are, and we're going to continue. Are you as passionate now about it as you were in January, or do you think you're more passionate about it and about what, what you can achieve with it? More. I, I, I remember... Um, so one of the closing questions with the BBC was, you're launching your own service. Is this? People might just say that you're out to, to run down the competition. And I, I remember my emotional reaction to that. I mean, it was never broadcast, but it, it's, it's there in the can. Um, I said, well, I've got everything in this. My, my everything is invested in this company. And I could lose all of that if you get this broadcast wrong. And I almost did. Wow. So that's why we've kept going, Matt. Because yeah. it's all yeah. in there. Because it's everything. It's everything. Um, hmm. No, I'm going to skip that. I was going to ask you a question. I think better of it. I'll ask you offline. Um, okay. See, you're more passionate now. And I think for anyone that listens to or watches this, I'm just going to make a plea. 
if you normally listen to this podcast, even if it's just for this section that's about one, an hour and 25 minutes in, please watch it. Just that bit. I'll mark it. Because whatever opinion you may have had about Panorama, whatever opinion you may have about the state of play of ADHD care, I'm a great believer in the whites of someone's eyes telling the story. And I've just watched your reaction. That is the single most genuine, heartfelt, well done on controlling it response I've seen from someone who, quite frankly, has been put through several mills and ringers in the past year or so and is still choosing on behalf of the people that need it, still choosing to fight not only to make your business thrive, but to change things so that the way things are done is right, is better, is how it should be. So if you do nothing else, please watch that section. Because for me, the reason I, I was interested in this end of year, right, and we'll, we'll summarise the back end of the year in a minute, but the reason for this was I think you more than I, you, you've got a very, in some ways, quiet and humble demeanour. You are very measured, but I know you're passionate. I know that you, you will fight to the nail, not just for, for the clinical, not the work, but for your family as well. I know that. But I think for me, it's, it's people understanding that of you, right? I often say this, and I'll say it again. I'm just lippy. I'm just a professional mouthpiece. I was given no other talents than talking into microphones and looking into cameras and trying to make a good job of it, right? That's it. I don't, I, there's nothing, you know, that's me. You are an awful lot more than that and that ability. And this more, is an opportunity. It's not more. No, you know, but, but for me, it's an opportunity for people to see you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's an opportunity for people to hear and see that you and I, I think, do what we do for similar reasons. For me, it's about passion. For me, it's about passion and about other people. Mm. You know, initially, I started to do this for my kids. I want my kids not to have my experience of life. Now it's for everyone else I meet and everyone I've worked with. And I, I know I get the sense that your passion is for the people. It's for care. It's for provision being the way it should be, not the way it's become. Right? Yeah. That's a, but, a value that goes right back to me being 16 and volunteering in a, a, a mental health drop-in. That's where it started. it's always been. Yeah. I want this to be better. These people deserve better. I didn't realise... I was these people, but no, well, yeah, you know, I, I, I knew that the, 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 the care could be improved, and I ended up thinking, well, if I do it, then I can understand it better, and I can improve it. Yeah, and here yeah, I am, absolutely. You know, yeah, almost at my half century too, with that experience, all, all of the year, the things that have gone on in those years, trying to pull all of this together into something that can make a difference that that matters to all of those yeah. lives that i've encountered through the years yeah i get that i feel that 
So, okay. We've, we've got an edit point here, Matt, and it's seven o'clock. Do you not need to be somewhere? No, I've, I've, I've sorted it. Okay. I've sorted it for five minutes, so don't worry. Here's a question. We can round up the back end of the year, because interestingly, I suppose the biggest overriding topic of, of the back end of the year, outside of all of our personal lives, was the reason we first sat camera to camera again, which was sometime in around October even though I'd heard rumblings of this happening way back in the summer, and I'm sure you had, but by October, there were definite shortages of medication starting to be spoken about. And there were definite uh, questions being asked about why and how and what would it mean, which I suppose brought us, like I say, on camera, I think November time. How... How has that, given it's been such a huge talking point for for the ADHD community at least, how has that either overshadowed or or everything else for you at the same time? Well, it's it's hit on so many levels. I mean, it's, it's impacted on me personally because. For all, for all of the skills I have, I hadn't realized that whilst I was fighting to get my patients their medication, I was just accepting that I couldn't get my prescription from my GP issue. So I'd not sought out, you know, used my contacts to access my medication. Yeah. Because um, for some reason, you know, <laughs> that didn't dawn on me until just before Christmas that I could do that. So, <laughs> um, so it's impacted on me personally. Um and, and and muddling through with with what we had um it's impacted on me professionally because there's been more to do and and, and more juggling um mm. but not many people that i prescribe for have gone without their treatment or right. something very close to their treatment it, it the, the way you you described it is is you it sounded like it. This all started in in September time, but actually, this has gone on for years. Um, yeah, supply, supply issues. Um, so it, it it didn't hit me quite as. I didn't realise what was going on, and because it was just oh, they haven't got this in again, and it um, it, it became bigger, bigger than that in October. Why um, do you think I, that is? Out of interest, what? So if it. What, what's well, it, the difference this time well, round? Well, the difference this time is is it's not just about um, the logistics of supply. It was actually the the manufacturing and, and so uh, there was, right. So, so there was, there was well. a okay. bigger issue in terms of mm. you know it wasn't just making sure that parcel B got to delivered to where it needed to go to, which was what was mm. leading to the problems prior to this. It was about there's just not that supply there to be delivered. Um, gotcha. So at first, as, a, as an ADHD specialist, I just thought, oh, okay, that's happening, and, and it'll get sorted out. And it wasn't until sort of October time when I really connected with, oh, this is something different, um, which was another – it's it's very much like panorama, isn't it? There's this springboard effect where people say, okay, that's happening. How can I, how can I use this piece of media to promote what I do? And I ah. that, yeah? Because that because that yeah. seems to that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um. And, and 
again, people may say that that's what we're doing here, but it's hopefully people see the sincerity in what we're doing. And if they don't, well, I'm sorry. Um, Because that's exactly what I just thought. (laughs) Yeah. You know, if if that's how you feel, then that's okay. Um, Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm taken to that. Do you remember that exchange we had? I can't even remember the content of it, but there was there was something happened on social media, and we both got involved in it. And um, it was, yeah, it, I think it, I know what you're talking about. You, you know the guy I'm talking about. You know yeah, the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, just before um, Christmas. Just just grabbing end of the wrong end of a completely different stick and bashing us with it, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I just think, oh, for God's sake. Um, and I, I think for me that 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 episode that, that chap don't I don't want to narrow it down any more than that really um, mm-hmm. that that really hammered home for me because he was saying that I was feeling patronised by what he said and I wasn't. No. But what that said was he wanted me to feel patronised is how I felt. Um, yeah. He, he didn't understand. Who I am and what my experience is, and it didn't really matter to him because what he wanted to say was what he wanted mm. to say about it. And yeah, um, he, yeah, yeah he, was, he, he was the guy that was um, blaming this all on the drug company, wasn't he? And I, that's I correct. It's yes. a lot more complex than yes. that. And um, uh, and I just felt so annoyed that he wanted me to be a victim of this situation. That, well, that and was I'm, the word, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, that I was the word. Oh, you're playing the victim, victim now. Yeah, I'm not in. I'm not. I'm not in this. Yeah. To, to be a okay. victim. Here's a question then. It it's been a year for you, certainly for me. It's been you know all right. It's been a year. Yes, I've, big things have happened. Big life changes. But I can, for me, honestly, say I am in a better place than I've ever been because I'm able to be. You know, I. I say this a lot and I, you know, whenever I'm in meetings, I, I go out every day now with two things on that I'd never have dreamt of. So I wear two bands. One of them is the hidden disabilities because sometimes I need a bit of help and I want other people to know I get it. And the other one's got a famous thing called the Serenity Prayer on it, which is like a mainstay of any recovery program. Now, I wear both of those because A, they're important to me and B, because I need to carry that with me every day, right? I need to understand that. I'm in this world. This is me. This hidden disability is it affects me, my kids, my wife, and everyone I work with. And this is about keeping me grounded. The more grounded I've got, the more the more I've listened to people, and the more I've tried to grow, the better I've become. And and I I think I'd like to think so. I sincerely think that we wouldn't be doing this if you didn't get the sense that we were on a very similar page and I was as authentic as you and had the same aims as you and Asara, right? And I'm very grateful for that. But I got to the back end of last year, that exchange, funnily enough, and I remember after it having a conversation with you and the upshot of it was you saying to me, it's just an example that sometimes we need to sit back and not fight everything sometimes it it comes back to i suppose pick your battles or pick your adversaries even you know in proper medieval times it's that thing of there are 
there are things I need to change, want to change, and trying so hard to improve. There are other things that, that just aren't for me to do that I can't do. There, there are people I can't talk with. You know, I've, I, I get that more than ever now, but it's only seeing and now going through it in detail where what you've gone through this year kind of really reminds me that the sense I get throughout all of last year with you is the one thing you've never lost is what you had evidently when you were 16, which is incredibly strong principles. You have extremely strong and defined and passionate principles about right and wrong, about good and bad. And whilst other people may speak, act, behave in ways that aren't that, the one thing I've never seen from you, heard from you, is you do that. You, you are as authentic as I think it's possible to be, and you only say things that bear saying. And and I, I learn a lot from that. I do. I take a lot from that. You know, I think that's why this podcast is different. But from my point of view, I think, you know, I can wrap up my year feeling in a in a good place, start this year in a good place. Where where's Andrew now? What you know, if you if you had to predict the first quarter of this year, how are you feeling about it? You've been going, I think. I think I've learned something about truth in the past year that's different. Um, that, that truth's not an absolute. Um, that people's truths are relative to where they are. They're relative mm. to where they're going, the pace at which they're going, um, and, and their priorities. So the nature of truth has been really rocked for me over this past year. Um, and understanding with compassion other people's truths, which might be different than mine, has been yeah. something I really had to reflect on a lot um, this past year because of the experiences we've been through. and. There's more of that to come. I've learned that people mm. will hear what they want to hear, irrespective of what you say. And uh, changing people's minds, and I, as a mental health nurse, I know this, but changing people's minds is is a process. Um, it's not something that you can you can't stand on a soapbox and and make someone change their mind. That's not what happens. It doesn't happen on Hyde Park Corner and it doesn't happen in real life either. You know, it's yeah. it, it's a it's a process change. Um and it's it's a process that that can be challenging and, and can cut you down. But sometimes things need to be cut down to grow afresh, just like we prune our roses. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's a really important learning, learning point for me. It's not news to me, but it's been really how it feels for me has changed in the past year. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I, I'm tired. 
I'm I'm tired after the year that we had. Um, mm. And I just remain hopeful that we can keep going and we can. Have the grace to to just be open to to more of the same. That that by taking a step back and and not going with that instant feeling, because that first feeling isn't always the one that is the right one long term. Um, so it, people can hurt you, and you you can feel that, and that doesn't it it doesn't invalidate that to move along from that and leave that somewhere and come back to it later, so that you can deal with what's going on. Using the draft box again, right? Using the draft box again, yeah. That actually, it, it's okay to take a step away. It's okay to take a step back um, and, and not give that impulse reaction, that emotionally driven reaction. Mm. Um, and, and sometimes even those longer term emotionally driven reactions just need some time to cool off and, and, and yeah. come back come back to it. Um, so, so that's kind of how I'm approaching 2023. Is it just all needs some space, um, just just to settle. Um, well, yeah. I, so I'm, I'm going to ask you one final question then. Go on then. An easy one, I hope. Having spoken all this, laid it all out, being brutally honest, what's the one thing? that you would like people to take away from it about you, divergence, whatever it may be? What's, what's the most important message that you would like people to get from, from this episode? Because it is different. I think that's theirs. It's, it's not for me to, to give that one message there there will be th hopefully things in what i've said that that resonates with people there there may be things that have annoyed people that i've said but but i you know it it it's just there it 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 is what it is take from it what you will um just as when i sat on the bbc in may and said what i said you know you take what you will i'm me if you don't like mm -hmm. it you don't have to to keep watching you don't have to you know, have me in your life mm. because i'm me and, and i'm at this stage in my life starting to be okay with that you know what that's uh yeah i, I hear that i think what i was just thinking as you were saying that is you, you were coming very close to a phrase that i'll you know, I'm going to jump on a recovery meeting after we finish recording. And I know that at some point the phrase, take what you need and leave the rest will be uttered. And I think it's a really important approach. Take what you want, leave the rest. Like you say, and I'm with you on this. I think I'm now old enough and finally comfortable enough in my own skin and in my own way that I, I'm not for everyone. Never going to be for everyone. That's okay. Um, but the people that do align with what I say or what you say, you know, you're more than welcome. St stick with me, stick with you, stick with us, because I think there's there's a lot more to come from from this, from each of us individually, separately. And 
I would like to think that the overarching sort of theme of this is you and I, are, at least I am, I'm trying to be as humble as I can about this. This isn't promotional at all. This isn't, this isn't for likes or clicks. It's because I, like you, just want things to get better, <laughs> to change. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's it. I, I, and I think we are doing this differently than than other podcasts and and that's very much in line with how we are doing what we do elsewhere mm -hmm. in other aspects of our working lives yeah um yeah and that hopefully there'll be glimmers of something that can make a difference you know i don't think we either of us have the answers but we've got something no. different and, and hopefully that will add to this greater whole that yeah. will one day evolve understanding of of how brains can be different and that that's okay yeah yeah isn't it just right andrew i think that's an episode that you know is is incredibly uh full mm. um and in incredibly important for me so I'm going to say this to you. Thank you for your honesty. I know it's been difficult for you to find the way to, to pick your way around certain events and topics. So I really appreciate you being as honest as you're able to be um, and for sharing those experiences of your last year and, and so on last year because it's been huge. And, and, and I hope me being as honest as I can be gives people a bit more insight into kind of who I am and why I am the way I am now and maybe it was in the past um but as deep as it is I, it's another conversation i've really enjoyed having with you so i'm really grateful for that um and to everyone else i'm going to say the same thing i do every time the more you watch listen like leave a comment interact with this you know the more people get to see and hear this this content and that's ultimately what it's for so it's it's not a paid thing it's not a sponsored thing and it won't be just as long as you can keep helping us get it out there that's all all andrew and i and sarah ask is keep us keep helping us spread the, the message and um hopefully we get to keep making more content like this and there is much more to come so andrew thank you i i hope you're okay uh and and i really appreciate it uh, your time on this one and folks we will see you again next thursday for episode seven i think it will be so uh, we will see you next week but until then thank you take care bye-bye i've lost my button there we are <laughs>